This is the start of Advent. Um, this is something that Kevin usually um, takes care of and, and does and does a fantastic job with it. Um, and that's why it makes me so nervous to be up here this morning is because he does such a great job. Your expectations are so high, I may not do that great of a job. But he called Friday. Um, he's got that old crazy virus that's going around, and, and um, it's not pleasant. And uh, he asked me would I be prepared for this morning and kind of filled me in on, on his intentions. Um, and I kind of picked those up. Um, being the start of Advent, we do... Um, decorate this is one of those things just to get our mind going in the direction and focusing on the upcoming celebration uh, one of the other things we do is uh, or Kevin normally does is he has a, a kid a child a person a little one uh, not so little one sometimes to uh, read a scripture and he told me to find just just pick a kid he said all of them wants to do it just pick one. So listen, if Kevin had promised you, don't be mad at Kevin. It's me. Don't be mad at Montana. I done it. Because I found the only kid in the church that don't want to do it. And that's who I picked. And she's nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof. She, her breakfast is on its way up and all that stuff. This is just tearing her all to pieces. And I told her I wouldn't make a big deal out of it. So I'm going to stop now, you know what I mean? But Montana, too late, she says. Montana is going to uh, read a scripture. She's going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2, 6, and 7. Isaiah 9, verses 2, 6, and 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death upon them a light has shone. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. And now she'll light a candle, or I'll light it because she can't operate the lighter. Come on, you guide my hand. There you go. Woohoo! I bet you're the only kid in the whole place that'll get a round of applause for doing that. You're welcome. And now, and now there are. Um, did y'all start that making the ornaments this morning, or does that start next week? They did. All right. So now the kids are also each Sunday will be in Sunday school, be making a, a ornament to decorate our trees with. Uh, we'll start on this one over here. So if you made something for the Christmas tree this morning, you can come this away. And I expected them all to come, and it don't look like that's happening. So I must be. Uh, look here, you did one, didn't you? That's what I'm talking about. If it ain't but one kid in the whole church that did what she's supposed to, it's you. I love it. There you go. Hang it on the bottom, sister. Awesome. It is a candle that has hope written on it. Good job. Sorry to all the other teachers who didn't get the memo. That was probably supposed to be on me, and I didn't get that done either. Mail and Kate. 
come on, May May. Oh, come on. <laughs> Next week. There you go. There you go. That's the way you handle that, Eddie. Good job, May May. Thank you. And again, to all the other kids that didn't get to do that this week, it was probably my fault. I was probably supposed to told you that too, and that was something I forgot. I don't remember. But I do know this part. Children's church, children's church, children's church. There they go, one at a time. Hey, we're friends. Come here. Hi, Alice. Well, you are you avoiding me too? Golly, man. I'm running out of friends in this place. You got me? I got you. Ralph, I'm not listening to Ralph. Ralph tends to get me in trouble. <laughs> um, Advent, week one. I did do a little bit of researching and looking and studying, and I've done it in the past, but I had to refresh my memory. Um... There isn't necessarily a structure to what it's supposed to look like. The only structure to it is its purpose. And its purpose is to prepare our minds and our hearts to celebrate the birth of our Savior. That's it. So if you pick out a plan in your household that's different from the one at my household, that's fine. There's, there's no, no given, defined structure it's just the process of preparing. Our decoration should point to Christ and not the things of this world, whether that be our lights or our trees or whatever. People should be able to look at our preparation and see that it points to the birth of Jesus Christ. This time should be preparation for our hearts and minds to get ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So knowing that there's no given structure to it, and I don't know what Kevin's intentions are. I don't know that he would take a break from Ephesians to preach a different subject each week for Advent, but that's what I've done to start it off. So if he continues that, great. If he doesn't, that's okay too. Um, he will be mentioning and talking about it, I can assure you that. But I'm going to start by pre preaching about hope because in some of the Advent things that I have looked at and 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 and. Um, the scriptures and, and uh, some of the things that talk about Advent and its purpose, they give you three or four subjects. And although they don't put them in a particular order of importance, hope is one of the ones that was always common in everything I found. Hope. What brings you hope? We live 
in a world today that is overflowing with people who have no hope. Right? They have no hope. They think there is no hope. And they have no hope. And those situations vary. Those circumstances vary. But the root of it all is the same. The root of the problem and the root of the fix is the same. No matter who you are, where you are, or what you're dealing with, if you find yourself without hope, the problem is you've put your hope in the wrong place. But the good news is the, pre, the, the repair for that is to put your hope in Christ. And no matter what your scenario, no matter what your situation, no matter where you've come from, what you're dealing with, what you're going through or have gone through, there is hope. But it's not in this world. It's not in the things of this world. There's so many issues that so many people deal with and so many people that are in a place in their life where they believe there is no hope. If you've never been there, that's a very sad, very dark place to be. This Advent season should be an opportunity for us as Christians to share hope with the hopeless. In Romans chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, starting in verse 8. Romans chapter 15, starting in verse 8, we'll read through about verse 13. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. It is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol Him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. In verse 13, May God of hope, may the God of hope fill you, with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come to you as humble as we know how to say thank you for another day. Thank you for another opportunity to be gathered in your house. Father, I thank you for each one that you've sent our way this morning. I pray, Father, that your word would flow through me that it wouldn't be my words, it wouldn't be my opinions, Father, that everything that I speak this morning would be what you desire to be spoken. Father, I pray that you only use me as a vessel, that you only use me as a tool. Father, I pray for your guidance and your direction, and I pray that your presence be felt. Father, we thank you also for this Advent season as we start the process of preparing to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Father, we thank you for that Savior, and we know that without Him we'd had no hope. But Father, we thank you for the hope that He supplies. 
We thank you. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, this kind of, kind of ties in with the, some of the things Kevin's been talking about in the book of Ephesians. And, and last week in particular where he was talking about the, the, the circumcised and uncircumcised and how there is no difference and how God doesn't view it that way and, and all those things. And, and here we start off with, I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promise given to the patriarchs. All right, Christ was a promise from the Old Testament. He was a promise. There was, there was a Savior coming. It was a promise made. There's a Savior coming. And he's going to fulfill all these things. And that promise was to the patriarchs, but also, and in order that the Gentiles, Christ came not only for the circumcised, not only for the Jews, but he came also for the Gentiles, for you and I, those that are not included in that. And he came so that we could glorify God. He came so that we could have this opportunity. Jesus was a promise. And his arrival was a fulfillment of that promise. Now listen, there's a lot of things in, in, that, that take place. Number one, the first thing that everybody notices about the birth of the Savior is where it took place. Of all the places he could have been born. In a manger? Where animals were fed? Where animals slept? In a barn? That's no, that's no arrival for a king, right? This is the king of kings. This is a savior to the world. So why on earth would he be born in a barn? There were so many things that were misconstrued amongst the Jews and, and their ideals of, of who was coming and how he was going to get here and how they would recognize him, and, and they completely missed it. They even set out to kill this baby. We talked about this morning in Sunday school, we started a, a, a study on Paul, Saul as it started out. And how Saul was so upset that these people were preaching against his traditions and his teachings that it drove him to want to arrest and murder people. That according to his own words, later on down the road, he became the chiefest of sinners. He took it on himself to be the one that goes out. He went before the folks and gets a letter written that says he has permission to go door to door, church to church, and gather up everybody, men and women, who are following, as they called it, the way. What would push a person to be in that place? Well, it was the fact that he had all these traditions and all this teaching. And now they've come on the scene and said, oh, that's wrong. In his mind, they said it's wrong. And now everything's turned. This was a promise. This had to come. And if things weren't the way that Paul thought they were supposed to be, he had lost hope because his hope was in the law, right? Following the rules, right? That's where his hope was. See, Paul had Saul had his hope in the wrong place and in the wrong things. So many people in this world put their hope in the wrong stuff. A lot of people put their hope in self. 
I hope what I can achieve is enough. It's a sad day when I wake up and the, all I've got to offer is this. It's sad. If my only hope is in me and what I can accomplish, that's sad. Some people put their hope in money. And, it, and they hope that they can buy their way through or pay their way through. Well, that's not good news for a poor old broke fellow like myself. <laughs> I ain't going to make it for at all. Some people, some people put their hope in traditions and laws. Well, good luck. You're going to need it. <laughs> Have you ever sat down and looked at those laws and looked at those things that you have to keep pace with? You know, they weren't written so you and I would follow them. They were written so we would know we couldn't. You realize that while they were, the, first, the original Ten Commandments, while they were being written, they were being broken. That instant, right? They were at the foot of the mountain doing what? Creating a golden image. <laughs> Right? So if, if you're dependent, your hope is in following a bunch of rules and a bunch of laws, you're going to fail. But good news. Jesus came and that became not necessary anymore because He fulfilled the laws and the prophets. And He said you have to do two things now. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. If you can do those two things, now you got hope. Now you got hope. Now if Jesus is who He says He is, and Jesus says He is the Son of God, Jesus says He no one gets to the Father except by... Right? So He is the way the truth and the life, right? So if Jesus is who He says He is, now you have hope. See, Jesus became that bridge between that gap between us and our sins and God and His righteousness. Because we couldn't get there. We couldn't follow the laws. We couldn't keep up the traditions. Jesus became a bridge. See, when it gets real to us is when we realize the expanse of that gap between the ugliness of our sins and the righteousness of God. That's a big gap. That's a wide expanse. And there's only one way for us to get back into that right standing or righteousness of God. And that's across the bridge of Jesus Christ. Without that, it's too great of, of an expanse. We can't get there. So without Christ, we have no hope. Without Christ, we are hopeless. But with Christ, go with me to Isaiah, talked about this and, and broke it down as well as anything I could find. I, what uh, Montana read. See, I ain't just bad with everybody else's name. I'll forget yours too. Isaiah 9, 2, 6, and 7. Isaiah 9, 2, 6, and 7.
I'm going to show you what hope looks like. This is, this is Isaiah's foretelling thousands of years ahead of time of Christ's arrival and what it was going to mean to us and what it was going to mean to everybody that chose to take hold of this hope that God was going to present us. All right, so this is, this is, this is a foretelling of what has already taken place. Now, today when we read it, we know it happened. We know it took place, right? We have something to compare it to. We can go to the New Testament Scriptures and the birth of Christ and see it laid out before us. But you got to think of the thousands of years ago when this was written, it hadn't taken place yet. Don't lose that in reading Old Testament Scriptures. Don't lose the fact that this is a foretelling and they had no idea as they read it, what he was exactly talking about. Now we have an event to tie it to. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. Jesus Christ is that light. Me, born a sinner, is the one that spent the time in the darkness. Have you ever been in darkness? <laughs> Have you ever lived in a time in your life when there was no hope? When you were in darkness? When everything was opposite to what God desired it to be? Some of you still walk there today. And you walk there in darkness and can't figure out why you can't find your way. It's because you're in the dark. <clears throat> I told y'all of last year's youth hunt experience where my light doesn't have a battery gauge, when it gets ready to go out, it just starts flashing and it goes out. Montana was with me and she had another light and we were fixing to be in the dark and I was trying to explain to her, well, just a few weeks ago, me and Amanda struck out going deer hunting early one morning and I had my light on and we got about one-third of the way to where we was going and my light started flashing. And Amanda seen it, and she said, I know what that means. I've heard this story. <laughs> she didn't have a light. And all we had was my blinking light. And I, it's not, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's not like it blinks for a couple of minutes or a few hours. It blinks for a few seconds, and it's gone. So I just reached up and cut it off. And we walked the rest of the way to the shooting house, in the pitch black dark. And we get in this, there's this big wide open field that we go through to get there. And we get in this field and it's been plowed and worked up and it's what we call a food plot now. So there's been tractors and it's got some places in it where the dirt, it's not flat in other words. You know, you, you kind of, you just kind of clump your way through it. Because you're trying to feel for every step. You can't see where it's high and where it's low, Right? And we're walking and we're about halfway across this field and Amanda goes, did they move the shooting house? <laughs> and see, normally, normally when we're going across through there, just every once in a while you just kind of throw your light at it and you can see the, the glare of the windows and go, whew, it's just right there. But when you're in the darkness, you have no idea how far you've been or how far you've got to go. 
Because you're in darkness. You can't see. And there's no, no, no um, gauge for you to know how much further in this darkness you've got to go. You can't even tell how far in the darkness you've been. Until you have light. And once you have light, then you can look back and go, Whew, we went all that way in the dark. There are some people that are still in the dark today, but they don't know they're in the dark because they've never experienced the light. Amen? And, and like Amanda, they don't know how far they've got to go. And they think, well, maybe somebody moved it on us. Maybe our goal is further than I thought it was. See, the, the problem is the lack of light. Jesus came so that the people who walked in darkness could see the great light. And when you have light, you have hope. Right? You have hope because now you can see. Now things are made evident and things are made obvious and you can see the dirt clumps and the, and, and the, and the little swags in the ground so you're not tripping and falling because you have light. You have hope. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them has light shone deep darkness <laughs> we went to um, Cumberland Caverns a couple of years ago and they get you down there in, in, in the pits and, and I mean it's deep and they cut off the lights to show you what true darkness looks like and you literally can do this and not see your hand deep darkness and then they flip the lights back on and your your eyes go now I can see that's this experience of life when Jesus enters in that darkness has to run that light makes everything evident and that light provides hope look at this I want to get down here to this bottom before I run out of time in verse uh, 6 for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Listen to this. We're going to go through this list very slowly, and I'm going to show you where hope comes from for a Christian. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now let's start at that very first one and look at what it means to be a wonderful counselor. Do you know what it means to have at your disposal a wonderful counselor? First of all, what is a wonderful counselor? Wonderful means extremely good. You know, like chocolate ice cream. A Wendy's Frosty. You know, there's some things that are good, and, I, and I'm glad to have them, but there's some stuff that is extremely good. And I'll go a little further to have that, right? And I'll do a little more to attain that because it's extremely good. It's on the upper echelon of the good chart, right? Extremely good. A wonderful counselor. A counselor is one who provides advice and guidance. Jesus was called the wonderful counselor, extremely good advice giver. 
Does that mean it's easy advice? Does that mean it's what we want to hear? No, but it means it's what's best for you in your current situation. Now you have hope because you have a wonderful counselor. I have hope because I have a wonderful counselor when I come upon these situations and these scenarios in my life. Then I have access to a wonderful counselor through the Holy Spirit. An extremely good advice giver. We had a scenario in our household just a few weeks ago where one of us had to depend upon that extremely good advice giver. And I, and I won't tell it in detail because this does go on the www dot. But one of us in my household was approached with some friends that said, we've taken a stand and made a decision that we're going to be this way. Do you support that? And one of us had enough good sense about them to, to, to listen to the wonderful counselor and go, I love you, each one of you individually, I love you. And I'll support anything except that lifestyle. And they said, well, I guess we just can't be friends anymore. And that person in my household said, that's okay. Because when I do what God wants me to do, I'll have more friends. Now, it's not always easy to listen to this wonderful counselor. It's not always easy to take this wonderful advice. And it's not always easy to stand on it. But you can stand on it with hope. Not hope that says, oh, I hear the ice cream truck. I hope he comes down my street. It's not that kind of hope. No, this is blessed assurance. This is blessed assurance. You can know that you can know. You can stand on it firmly and it won't move and shake and under you. You won't have to chase the fads of this world anymore. You can stand on a hope that is a firm foundation. And when you stand on that, a few weeks later we were at another place and, and this group of people that one of us in my household had told this to came to us as a group. The three of us together and them together. And when we left, I told the one, I said... It looks like you didn't lose any friends to me. And they said, no. And I said, that's what God does. When you stand firmly, when you take his wise advice, when you take the extremely good counsel that has been offered to you, then you have hope that if, he, if them are gone, fine, he'll give more. If not, I didn't need them no way. Hope comes from a wonderful counselor. Hope comes from knowing I have access to a wonderful counselor. Let's keep going. What else will he be called? Mighty God. Mighty God. All powerful. Never been defeated. I'm going to get on thin ice here for just a few seconds, but I'm going to get right back off. I don't want to make no enemies. I watched a horrible football game yesterday. And there was the team on the field that ain't nobody been able to beat all year. 
And I done got plumb beside myself excited because I thought for sure they fixing to lose today. <laughs> but to my demise, to the thing that hurt me to the core, it didn't happen. But you know what was in my mind and you know what was in the minds of the fans of that team? Is it could happen. They could lose. Listen, when you serve a mighty God, there's no chance of loss. You're never going to look up and it be halftime and him be trailing. You're never going to look up and him have, to, him have to go to the beach and pull out a secret weapon to, to pull things out, right? Because he's never going to be behind because he can't lose. I don't know about you, but that brings me hope that I serve a God that is almighty. He can't lose. Nobody can beat him. Nobody can defeat him. He's undefeated. And he'll always be. Always be. I'll never look up and him be in trouble. I'll never look up and something caught him off guard. That's my God. An almighty God. And I don't know about you, but that brings me hope. The third thing, he will be called. Huh. This is... this. Is, Everlasting Father. Now we're going to break this down into two pieces here. We're going to start with the Father part of it. And what it means that God is my Father. Kevin's talked about this in the last few weeks, about being chosen and being adopted and being in the family. Right? Here, since Kevin made that statement about being chosen, when I get on to Montana, she looks at me and you know what she says? You chose me. I'm fixing to take that wooden spoon to Kevin's, what I'm fixing to do. Because he planted that thought. And all I do is bite my tongue and my lip and go, yeah, I did. I'm finna unchoose you. Chosen to be a father. Now, she knows I would never unchoose her. We've had that conversation a million times that I desired to be her father and I am her father. And she knows what it feels like to be in a family and be included and be loved on and be wanted. That's what it's like when you have a father, right? It's somebody that loves you no matter what. And think about it, the father that chose you, a father that, a father that called you to him and drawed you to him. How much more so will he love his children? All right, now take that word, put it to the side, and we go back to everlasting Father. Inexhaustible. What? Inexhaustible. Sometimes Montana thinks I'm inexhaustible. I got bad news. I'm exhaustible. My funds do run out, right? My abilities do run out, right? But not our Heavenly Father. He's inexhaustible. You can't, you can't run him out of grace. You can't run him out of mercy. You can't run him out of love. You can't run him out. Anything you need, he can supply, and it doesn't shorten his hand at all. In other words, the next time you call, he's just as available as he was the first time you called. He's inexhaustible. Now, that's the kind of father I want, and I don't know about you, but that father brings me hope. Because when I look around at all that's needed in my life and I look around all that it's going to take, it's big. It's a lot going on out there. 
It, it's a lot of days that are hard days living in this world. But good news, my Father is inexhaustible. He's everlasting. He's everlasting, Father. So, so we've got wonderful counselor to give that good, solid, sturdy, never-failing advice and guidance. We've got mighty God, the one that can't be beat, the one that's never lost. He'll never have a one in the L column. Never. We've got everlasting Father, inexhaustible. He'll be there from now on. I don't know about you, but these titles alone give me hope. They cause me to have hope in this Savior that they describe. And finally, Prince of Peace. Now we look at this and what first thing we comes to our mind, or a lot of folks comes to their minds, is, is world peace. And everybody not fighting and getting along. Listen, that ain't going to happen. You're looking at the wrong thing, looking for the wrong thing. This ain't about peace where there ain't no war between people and there ain't no friction between people. This is a peace that rests on you as an individual, the prince of that peace, so that you can listen to his wise counsel. You can um, tap into his inexhaustible resources. You can rest in the fact that he's never lost, and you can go to bed at night with a peace that surpasses all understanding. No matter the circumstances that are going on around you, no matter the environment you find yourself in, He's the prince of that peace. And listen to me. Regardless of what you're fighting, regardless of what you're struggling through, regardless of what you're dealing with this morning, no matter how deep that dark, darkness looks, maybe you can even see your hand in front of your face. You are not hopeless unless you are without Christ. Because in Christ, you have hope. I don't care what you've been addicted to, how long you're addicted to it, or how much you can't do without it. I'm telling you, there's hope in Christ. I don't care how bad you've hurt, how bad the pain is, and how long it goes on. I can tell you, there's hope in Christ. It doesn't matter how bad it hurts that that loved one is gone. I can tell you that these upcoming holidays are celebrated by most, but by some, they're dreaded. But I can tell you that in Jesus, there's hope. You can get through it. You can, you can get through it, and you can get through it with hope. This world doesn't have to be hopeless for you. You can tap into these resources that were promised to us. They were promised in Isaiah. They were fulfilled in the four of the Gospels. The birth of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. As a Christian, those terms should bring a hope to you that nothing in this world can put out. <laughs> and if you don't have that, if I'm, talking, if I'm talking Spanish to you and for some reason you can't understand this, please come talk to me and tell me you don't understand. Because I can introduce you to this Jesus and I can show you in Scripture. Ain't nobody had an encounter with my Jesus and not been changed. It can happen. 
It's available to everybody that hears this message, everybody that sees this word. It's available. Listen, we're in Advent, a time to prepare, to celebrate the arrival of hope in this world. We're trying to get ready for a 13th birthday party that don't take place till April. We done started preparing. Don't tell me you can celebrate the birth of my Savior in just one week. Right? It can't happen. Hey, listen, I st- I'm going I'm to point her out. I stay on poor Miss Savannah all year because the only thing on her mind is putting up a Christmas tree from the time it gets took down. Listen, she's so fired up about celebrating Christmas, she got a snowman standing beside her pumpkins. Now you may say, you may, listen to me, you may say that's a little too early and that's extreme, but let me tell you, she's preparing to celebrate something. And she anxiously anticipates the coming of that celebration. It should be that way in every one of us. You shouldn't be a Scrooge like me. You should be so anticipating it that nothing else matters to the point that you put your snowman up with your pumpkins. (laughs) That's the kind of anticipation you should have. That's the kind of anticipation I should have to get ready to celebrate the arrival of hope in this world. Y'all stand with me, we're going to sing. And as we sing, I'm going to encourage you to respond in whatever way God has laid on your heart this morning. I pray that um, something was said that stirred your spirit. I pray that if you're a person still walking in darkness today, who has never experienced the light that God has shown upon us, that today is the day that you will find that light.